Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss, oh look, it's my college friends. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic multiverse. My name is Tyler Borland, and with me always is Danny Vincent. Yep, it's me, Danny V. And this week we went to the movies, which means it's time for Rapid Fire Trailers! Now, Tyler, I see that you got two trailers that I did not, so we'll start with them and go get to mine afterwards. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure you got one of the ones I got too, but it's okay. <gasps> the Matrix, the Matrix Resurrections. Will we yeah. see it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm so yeah. hyped. Trailer's great yep. on the big screen. White Rabbit, One Pill, Ghostbusters Afterlife. No. Yeah. Oh, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman. Yeah. I mean, I have to. It's a Batman movie. Morbius. We'll talk about yeah. it on a different episode. We'll talk about. It. We have to see it. Uh, Sing two. No. No. Clifford, the big red dog. <gasps> no. Now, I, I, I to pause the rapid fire very quickly, but I'll tell the story very quickly. Uh-huh. The Clifford's trailer is the one thing I have a story about of all the trailers I got, which was that um, Clifford, I got the whole trailer. It was kind of weird because it's a Clifford. I don't know why it was with this movie. Honestly, I really don't see the connection with the demographics. So the trailer ends, and everyone's ready for the next trailer. But then it just gets dark, and you just hear, Light it up like dynamite! And it, the words Clifford tickets now on sale appear on screen. And everyone in the audience, you can just feel the collective terror that the whole trailer is going to play again. But it was just, <laughs> Clif- it was just Clifford barking. And it was like, everyone was relieved. We didn't have oh. to see the trailer again. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> House of Gucci! No. I like Adam Driver. Yes! The Kingsman, probably not. Big, big, maybe, <laughs> big, big, maybe is all I got to say on that one. West Side Story, don't like musicals. I don't want to see this, but I'll have to because it's a Spielberg movie, and I, I get caught up in the discourse. Encanto, yeah, this yeah, looks, this looks really good. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I think Disney movies are better when they have music in them. Anyway. Well, we can talk about Encanto later if we end up both watching it and doing Green Room on it. Who cares? We don't need to talk about it now. Spoiler alert! From this point on, we will discuss the latest Marvel release of Eternals <laughs> and possible spoilers for future productions. Uh, we do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will somehow not address any leaks despite the biggest leaks ever happening this week. <laughs> our speculations yeah. alive by certain YouTubers. <laughs> <laughs> so many leaks. I'm not even talking about the big ones. There, there were other yeah. leaks too. Uh, anyway, we're not going to address oh, any were, of them. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll address the Star Wars leak because who cares? It's Star Wars. But otherwise, these are all purely coincidence. All right. So now let's delve into Eternals. Tyler, what'd you think of this movie generally? Okay. <laughs> generally. So. <laughs> This film, this film feels, it feels like the true beginning of phase four. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this film and it just like Shang-Chi 
has rejuvenated the forecast of the MCU for me. For me. Um, Eternals is filled with stunning shots and storytelling and a lot to process with its longer runtime. It runs uh, roughly 30 minutes longer than what your general MCU film does. Um, this film has confirmed that the oft-criticized mold of the MCU can and will be broken, and not all superhero films have to be stylized along the same line. I know there are arguments that this film is a beautiful bore, or rather just another cut-and-paste entry into the MCU, but I ask those critics this. What other superhero film can deliver an artistic take on a stylized genre and discuss the ever-looming threat of climate change. Venom tried it in 2018 and flopped in that regard, but 2021's <laughs> Eternals succeeds in all of those ways. If you do not agree with me, I implore you to return to the theater for a second and even third viewing of this film and allow yourself time to truly digest what you've seen before spewing out shared ideas in a generic and bland 180 to 320 character internet review which is a stylized genre in and of itself now mic tyler drop. yeah well mic drop but i just imagined like a critic listening to this uh-huh and uh being like all right what's your venmo because if you want me to go see the movie again you gotta pay for it <laughs> uh. <laughs> anyway don't you want to know what i thought of the movie yeah yeah what did you what did, what did you think of the movie as a non-professional critic that somehow hasn't been hired, but despite having so many followers on Letterboxd, I thought this movie had flaws. Dun, dun, dun. But these flaws point to a larger idiosyncrasy that inherently comes with Chloe Zhao transitioning from her small-scale movies to a huge blockbuster. Like, there's going to be growing pains, and I think this movie has them. Yeah. That said, I also think, in a weird sense, and this is also, you know, the upper big blockbuster in the discourse right now is Dune. Um, this feels to me like just as much a part one as Dune did, in a sense. Um, and the reason I, I know you haven't seen Dune, at least I don't think you have. Um, Not yet. Dune is, uh, it's half the book that was adapted. So it's definitely a part one. Like, yeah. it doesn't really have an ending. So I think this movie has a very abrupt ending and a lot of characteristics that are not fully completed. Um, however, within this film itself, I think it's, trying to hit on a ton of complicated philo philosophical and religious themes while still trying to entertain you. And I think the movie succeeds more at its goals than it fails at them. However, to respond to the thing about the critics, I'm also very confused about the critical reaction to this movie. Yeah. If just because um, Black Widow, a film that we both, I'd say we both thought it was like solid. It was good. Mm -hmm. We both gave but, it a three out of five. Yeah. Yeah, and I would actually give Eternals a three out of five. It's a different three out of five, though. Mm, I I give it a four out, four out of five. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um. I would say with Eternals, the three out of five is. I think the movie's very flawed, but I admire it. Whereas my Black Widow three out of five is like, eh, sure, it's whatever. It's a three out of five. Like I don't hate it. I don't like it. Eternals yeah, is like yeah. a high three out of five. Where it's like, I think there's a lot of. I do think there's a lot of bad stuff in this movie. To be clear, but I think the some of it all outweighs like the good outweighs the bad significantly. Mm. So you get, you give it a three plus that. Well, the way I would describe it is to me, a three out of five is either a B minus or a C plus. I would say black widow is a C plus and this is a B minus. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we both enjoyed black widow. 
However, it does not push forward the medium or genre in any way, shape, or form, and it's content to be a typical Marvel movie. And it gets 80% on Rotten Tomatoes because it's not going to offend anyone by being a typical Marvel movie, right? It's right. not going to... Um, it, no one's going to be... It's like what I just said. Like, it's fine. I gave it a 3 out of 5. I, I, I can't be actively mad at Black Widow as a movie because it succeeds what it tries to be, but it doesn't really exceed that. I think Eternals tries to be more... And the fact that it tries, and even if it fails in a lot of stuff, the fact that it's trying is very impressive to me. And in the way the way I have it written here is that I think the most exciting thing about Eternals is that, to me, it felt more like a Chloe Zhao movie than it feels like a Kevin Feige movie. Or mm. I'd say Black Widow and Shang-Chi, you can feel Feige's influence on the film way more. I do yeah. think Shang-Chi is easily the best of the three Marvel movies we've gotten this year. Uh, <laughs> but this is a nice little second. Uh, and I really hope that Chloe gets to return for a sequel that belongs to her even more the way yeah. gun did for guardians. Yes, yes, definitely. This, this movie, uh, both Felicia and I have agree that this movie feels very, it, it is included in the MCU, but it also feels very much in and of itself that it's, it opens with like the blade runner esque title. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I I agree definitely. The only things that ever made me think of the MCU was the Thanos stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then the you, just the different like the mentions you know that they make, which we had talked about. Um, that one of the well, all of the Disney Plus shows did it. Um, you know, just to be like, oh hey, remember, I we are also included in this shared universe. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it did, it did something of along the lines of where it, it like Shang-Chi inserted itself into the MCU very much, you know, place itself there where Eternals is like, we are here. We are like, it placed itself not on a pedestal, but it placed itself at least next to the MCU and said, we are here and we also include everything else, but we are our own thing. You know. To compare the two of them, and mm-hmm. I think a more concrete way to compare to old MCU movies, and this doesn't have anything to do with qualities. Yeah, Shang Chi is Ant Man, where the next movie he's in is a big ensemble movie. Yes, Eternals is Guardians of the Galaxy. When I have no idea when these characters are going to meet up with them, but I when I do, I think it will be a big event. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That is, of course, if we get an Eternal sequel, which we'll talk about eventually. Yeah, let's dig in. Let's dig in because we got a lot to dig into and not a lot of time to uh, the the number one question. And for all of the time nerds out there, just like myself, um, you wonder where does Eternals take place on the Uh, MCU timeline? It starts in 5000 B.C. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) So Uh, you watch it first. So so your your present, your present day, your present day um, conflict. it takes place eight months following Endgame on the MCU timeline, which puts it close to or concurrent with Far From Home. So the Phase 4 chronological watch order would be, and I'm just putting Loki first because it's right off the heels of Endgame, um, which is, for me, the end of Phase 3, you know, is chronologically, you know... Yeah, and I'd also say of Loki... You watch Loki first, it ends with the introduction of presumably our big bad, right? Exactly. That makes sense to yeah. Kick off of it. it makes sense to kick everything off with Loki. Then we go to WandaVision. 
followed by Shang-Chi and Falcon and Winter Soldier, which are Shang-Chi and Falcon and Winter Soldier are close to, if not concurrent with each other. Then we go to Eternals, which is close to, if not concurrent with Far From Home. Um, and then what I presume uh, Hawkeye will be like once we get to Falcon and Winter Soldier and no Falcon and Winter Soldier is is that 23 or 24? I, I don't know. But with Hawkeye, I would just say I assume it's concurrent with No Way Home. because No Way Home has been said it, to be taking yeah. place around Christmas. Yes. So. And that's when Hawkeye Hawkeye is holiday 2024 and uh, Eternals and Far From Home are both in 2024. So, um, so yeah, Can't that's she's younger than me still. I'm still, still yeah. stuck on that. <laughs> but then again, all the characters in this movie are older than me. Right. By a lot. <laughs> uh, the earliest home release date for this film would be December 20th, given the 45 day theater exclusivity of this film, but that's not a set home release date. Um, if it follows Shang-Chi's release timing, then it would possibly have a January 2022 home release I, date. I firmly believe that this will be on Disney Plus by, on Christmas, along with Encanto, because that would be a huge push for them. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I, I fully believe that will, will be what ends up happening. And at that point, Eternals isn't going to be making much money anyway in theaters because Spider-Man and Matrix will be out. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think that, especially with how with how tied in Spider-Man is to the MCU at this moment, I don't, I don't think Disney will want to overshadow. Yeah. This very, very purposely is only one movie coming out in the Christmas frame and it's West side story. Which yeah. Is and, and Hawkeye and nightmare alley, I guess, but in Hawkeye, even though funny. it's, it's a Disney plus show, it won't be overshadowing. Yeah, it's a show. Um, yeah, if you don't have to pay money, to well, see it, right? yeah. well, yeah, <laughs> you, you don't have to pay money. Are you saying that Disney Plus is free, Danny? Uh, 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 we're moving. <laughs> <laughs> he he's not taking the bait. Okay. Um. So first off, and something that we could we could have seen uh just in the trailers for Eternals is the similarity to DC's Justice League, the team, not the film, and the mention of DC properties in the MCU. I think it's interesting that you say the team, not the film, because here's the thing, uh -huh. is that Chloe Zhao has said that one of her biggest influences on the movie is actually Snyder Superman. Really? Uh, which I think you can see in it, actually, at points. I, I, in my yeah? opinion, I, yeah. I was telling this to you, is that uh, via text, because we cut the award, that if we had best moments still, as an award, I would give it to the Makari versus Icarus standoff in the f third act. Mm -hmm. To me, that looks incredibly like the Smallville fight in Man of Steel, which is what I always come back to as, if you want to see a superhero set piece that is pure action, that is great, I always will point to the Smallville Man of Steel fight. Because I, I think that's really just always awesome to watch. Yeah. Uh, and I think also, I think you can see Icarus as the... I was saying this also to you off mic is that it's weird that we were in like this phase of evil Superman right now in pop culture. Because mm -hmm. uh, people always call Henry Cavill like very close to being evil Superman. And then, of course, the boys, Invincible, you know, all that jazz. And Bright then Icarus Burn. is basically, yeah, yeah Brightburn. I always forget about Brightburn. <laughs> James Gunn probably wishes we did too. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I've never seen it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've not seen it either. So, but I, I can see the Snyder influence here. Mm hmm. And it's good stuff. I think, honestly, I think the MCU could use a filmmaker like 
Snyder. Not 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 like in quality, but like a filmmaker who clearly has a visual style, which I think Chloe does bring to this. Chloe Zhao does yeah. bring to it. Yeah, definitely. And that yeah, that's something uh Zhao's just her style is definitely seen throughout uh throughout the film. It's it's there are no throwaway shots, you know, and I I I love how precise and yeah, how precise every shot is and just how much thought, you know, goes into into capturing that. I, I put up a letterbox list as soon as I left the theater. Which was um I don't even remember one of the talking points on Nobelland we brought up the discourse was is that people thought that Chloe Zhao had made a pro Amazon movie, uh, which I think is a very silly takeaway from Nobelland. But anyway, yeah. that's that's a whole can of words I don't want to open. But I put up a letterbox list saying Chloe Zhao loves Amazon, and it was Nomadland. Note Fern works at Amazon. Eternals. Dreg lives in the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as the Amazon tile card appeared, I just started laughing because I was like, "Oh, oh and it Chloe. doesn't it doesn't say the Amazon. It, it just says Amazon." Amazon. Yeah, like, Chloe, not again. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really bad if they were like if they were loading a boat with packages, like. <laughs> 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 uh, um. Oh, uh, anyways. So yeah, let's get back on track. Uh, the similarity to DC's Justice League, um, like we had mentioned, Icarus is very much like a Superman, and oh, the character uh, Phaestus. Uh, Phaestus, he even says, or his kid even says, like, "Oh yeah, you're Superman." And Gilgamesh, yeah, they're they're part of like the Karen the, Alfred from Batman. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's another one. And is there a Batman? Like another Batman reference, or is that? That was the only one it? I caught. That was the okay. One I, caught. I was yeah. thinking there were just two references to DC, um, and then also there's the similarity overall with just we've got a speedster, we've got a Superman esque type character, we've got something of a Wonder Woman type character. We, you know, yeah, where we've got something of like a Martian Manhunter. Like there are multiple like. You can tell the similarities, and that is because of uh, Jack is this Kirby. Mean, uh, Kit Harrington is Lois Lane. Is Kit sure, Lois Lane? If, if, sure, sure. I mean, if, if, Sorry, that, if that's what your interpretation was, so um, so that'll be a very interesting uh, Eternal Zulz. Who, who, that's going to be the uh, sequel. Who's Fastus's husband then in this allegory? <laughs> I, I'm I'm lost. I don't, That's okay. We can just keep going. I keep, don't what know. Gonna say? Um, <laughs> oh, just what I was going to say is uh, Jack Kirby, who is the creator of the Eternals, um, he had left Marvel to go work with DC. Then he came back to Marvel after being with DC, and he was like, ah, I don't really want to write about uh, superheroes. I want to write about aliens i think is is what what the story is it, he wanted to write about aliens and so what he did is he made them uh you know have these these powers and such and it kind of just got pulled into the it's set it was set in the marvel comic you know uh universe but uh it eventually got pulled into as we know uh the more the deeper comic lore um, with the Marvel superheroes and uh, yeah. And then of course, now we've got what we've got uh, today. And I just, I think, I think it's, 
I think it's awesome what the movie did with acknowledging Superman and Batman and Alfred and that like the whole DC versus MCU. Of course, I've never like I wasn't alive when they were big time, both, you know, comics going like at each other. And uh, so I can't appreciate that side of it. But I I like I, I think that embracing the other side of the aisle is something much needed in this time. And uh, just acknowledging that, like, yeah, the idea of Superman and the idea of Alfred and Batman are out there and they did. They don't really poke fun at them. You know, it's just an inclusion of them. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or if I said this just to Caleb in general, but my big question with this always is, is so, OK, in the MCU, Superman and Batman exist. So, but like, my, my question is why? <laughs> because, like, why would I go see a movie about Superman and Batman when the Avengers are real? You know what I mean? I mean, like, there's also the possibility that they'll drop a whole city on you, <laughs> which is you what know? happens to Man of Steel if the Snyder movies exist. That's in the world true. Oh, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> That is true, yeah. Anyway, that's just a side note. I always wonder about, like, why why would people care that much about this if, like, real <laughs> superheroes exist? So, so well, I mean, in, in there, the thing is with superheroes existing in their in their reality is that, like, the superhero the time that the superheroes usually come around is when bad things are happening. So it's kind of a like you don't necessarily want to all, you know, Oh, I want to see them in action. Well, if you see them in action, they're probably fighting. What, what is it? Aliens, wizards or cyborgs. Yeah. One I of think, I think is what the quote is from Falcon and winter soldier. Um, yeah. So the quote from Falcon winter soldier is, um, hi, I'm Sam Wilson. This is a bad TV show. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure line. i'm sure that's that's i think that was in the promotion with him throwing the shield he was like yeah. this shield it's better the best thing of the whole show and the anthony mackie looks directly at the camera it probably best to skip this show and just watch captain america <laughs> <laughs> just wait for my move just fill in the blanks the next thing i wanted to note is i loved pink floyd's time playing over the marvel logo um, and I love just in general what Chloe Zhao did with time and the cuts between the past and the present um, in this film. Because at when she would cut to the past, it took you the way that she cut is it took you a bit to to realize, oh, OK, now we're 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 in the past, you know, and I've I've seen that as a point of criticism um, where people say it's confusing as to if you're watching something from the past or the present. I didn't find it like I had to be actively engaged with the movie to to get that. And to me, that's exactly what that's what I should happen at the cinemas. I shouldn't be able to sit there and just shove popcorn in my mouth like mindlessly. I'm sorry, fans that you have to pay attention to a movie. Yeah, that would yeah. be so terrible. Why would you want to pay attention to a movie you pay 20 bucks for? And that and that's been my that's been my 
my thing is I don't understand the audacity of these critics who were like, you can't go to this movie. Basically, the argument is you can't go to this movie and just turn off your brain and just mindlessly put well, popcorn in your mouth for two hours. I think uh, I think some critics are saying that. I think, to be clear here, there are a lot of critics I respect that didn't like this movie. So I don't want to be like, the critics! <laughs> no, no, and, and that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm hitting a very, yeah, yeah, I'm hitting a, vi- like, just a very, yeah, it's, it, there, there have been some criticisms of it where I'm like, did you even watch the movie that, like, that, my, that my, I watched? My thing with the criticism, and I kind of said this earlier, is, like, people always talk about how they want Marvel to give us more chances, date more chances, and here's a movie that takes chances, and here's the thing, I'm not saying you have to like the movie, right? I'm saying that right. if you are someone who is asking for this, asking for more diverse heroes, asking for more of a uh, more risks within the Marvel Cinematic Universe where a director gets a chance to actually put their stamp on something, I don't know why you can't give it the easy pass that you give Black Widow. That's more it. Like I'm yeah. not saying give it an A+. I'm saying give it a, give, do what I'm doing. Give it a B-, say it could be better. But sure, fresh review. Like, you know, like, sure, take take my fresh review. Right, right. I mean, it, it, it's an origin story. Um, Still, I think the best origin story in the whole MCU is Shang-Chi. Captain America 1, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, th- I think, like, it was an origin story, not just for, like, it was an origin story for a good, like, eight plus characters. Like... This film, this film was like, hey, (laughs) hey, like, you know, we we've went to space before, but now we're going to like encompass everything, like just every every it's cosmic, it's full out cosmic. Um, And I, I, I told Felicia after seeing this film, seeing this film, I was like, you know, I, I don't really know i didn't really know where marvel was gonna go for a while and after seeing this film it's like i'm excited i like there's all kinds of places that they can go the door the door's wide open you know the gates open the pasture's there i'm not not trying to cut you off tyler but according to my timer we have six and a half minutes left and i haven't talked about anything i want to talk about yeah yeah sorry So, um, I want to talk about two main things here, okay? Two main things about the movie that stuck out to me as flaws, air quote. Okay, air quote, because the first one is a real flaw. The second one is something that's something we have to more discuss. First thing I think is, is that I think the three characters with the most screen time in this movie are the three least interesting characters in the entire ensemble. Those characters being Cersei, Icarus, and Sprite. I think all these characters are pretty generic. I think of the three, Gemma Chan is the one with the most natural charisma. I think Richard Madden has charisma. I think this character is written to be distant, mm-hmm. which ultimately makes sense, but also makes me not really like the, that he drives a lot of the plot. And I think that's my big issue with the movie is that for a teen movie, the three main, like, I, I just want to be the supporting characters. I don't care about these characters. And that kind of sucks. I don't know what you would think about that, but like, and I think is I think I think Sprite is a big issue with the movie. Yeah. Uh, I think Icarus is fine considering that he ends up being the villain. I think 
Gemma Chan's character not really being well developed makes the entire ending third act's emotional stakes not really work. It's her self actualization. I don't really care about her. Yeah. To the other characters. Yeah. Yep. And I think that they could have solved that with a little more, not necessarily flashbacks, but yeah, keep it in the present. And we just we just get a little bit more of like her interaction. Well, maybe even in the past, we get her interaction with people and, you know, the humans. I think a way you might get that to work, in a sense, is what I'm thinking right now is just pop in my head. Send her to Fastos on her own to recruit him. Don't keep, keep a cars there. We need some scenes of her on her own, not with either him or uh, Dane Whitman. Mm, uh, yeah, we need some scenes with the other Eternal Lord, like with Kingo. Because the thing is, Icarus is such a killjoy, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he's just like, this is serious, don't you know? This is serious. I give him yeah. a Fargo accent, uh, don't you know? Uh, he's from Scotland, though. I know, but I gave him a Fargo accent by accident, so we're just gonna roll with it. So that's that's the thing is like maybe you just send her on her own a bit. I don't know. It's it's really a big problem with the movie, though. It's really hard to like dissect it beyond just the fact that like she's not interesting, especially compared to the rest of this ensemble here. Yeah, yeah. They they could have they could have had more interaction between her and Arishim. Like I thought, I thought that there was this big time gap where Arishim had last spoken to her, and he's like, "Okay, now let this celestial be born," and then she's like, "Uh, okay," and then she. I don't know. I would think that he would know or have suspicions of her not being obedient to the Celestial's plan, you know? See, here's here's the thing. I actually disagree, and I'm not going to get too much into it because we don't have a lot of time, but the, the main thing is I don't necessarily think putting Gemma Chan with a CGI creature is going to make me like her more. Gotcha. I need more of the human stuff. And yeah. I think your first thing, we were like, yeah, we need to see her hang out with humans more. Yeah, sure. But I also just think maybe if we get Icarus out of her scenes, because I think the emotional, I think the romance that they're trying to sell with them really does not work that well. Because um, I don't think either of them have much chemistry with each other as much as the sex scenes trying to convince us they do. I think uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is the best uh, origin team-up movie and the villain of it sucks. So I don't really think we need a great villain. Like, you know, yeah. like, like the villain is an afterthought. What ultimately. if, what if we got more scenes with her and Dane Whitman? If we got more. Well, I also think there. Dane Whitman's uninteresting. Yeah. Uh, and I'll get into that when we talk about the post credit scenes. Uh, but no, I think it's something where I want her having more scenes of Kingo on her own. I want her having scenes with Fastos on her own. I want more of Macari in the whole movie. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Um, but my other thing I want to talk about, Kingo. Mm-hmm. This is interesting to me. I think this is the most interesting choice in the movie. Is that Kingo, when we're going to the third act, and Icarus is uh Icarus is like, I betraying you all to protect Abishim and pro- have the celestial be born. And Sprite's like, I'm coming with you because I have a crush on you. And this movie doesn't want both acknowledges how weird this is for my character, but also does not really want to acknowledge it at all because it gets kind of gross if you think about it. <laughs> Tyler's giving me a head nod to be clear to listeners, yeah. which is I, I want to have that on the record that like I like I had no like a no like like a, oh, excuse me like a yes it is weird that's what Tyler's saying yeah it is and <laughs> I think I think Sprite could have been fixed like the character <laughs> could have been fixed <laughs> okay stop <laughs> the character the character could have 
been like the character came off very childish and we're supposed to believe that this character has the appearance of a child but is an adult or you know it you know has been around for ages and i don't buy that because of the way that the character is portrayed in the film I think it is conceptually a failure from the beginning. I think, <laughs> Sprite, like, I, I don't think there's a way. Here's the thing: I think a yeah. character like Sprite works in comics, works in books. I think the second you put it on screen, yeah, it becomes very weird because she's crushing on a forty-year-old man, and I, I don't like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's very weird. I think it is a issue with the not with the source. I think it's an issue of playing Sprite the way they do. Yeah, I think you cast. An 18-year-old actor who looks 18, maybe I can like buy it more. I think catching like a 12-year-old or whatever her age is, nope. It's weird. It's I don't I don't like it. I think it's conceptually a problem. Mm. Um that's something that cannot be fixed with the actor they have chosen. Yeah. Uh, and the script yeah. they have written. But I do want to talk about Kumal very quickly because we have run out of time, but I really want to get to this. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, Kumal, you're good. You're yeah. good. So Kumal, so Sprite teams up with Icarus because he has a crush on, she has a crush on him. And again, that's weird. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Then Kumal goes, I think Icarus is right, but you're my family. So I don't want to fight any of you guys. So he leaves. And this is weird to me in a lot of ways. Because one, traditional story act structure says, oh, okay. He's like the Han Solo of this movie, like in the original Star Wars. He's leaving, and then in the third act, he's going to have this great moment that's like crowd-pleasing where he saves them all. That would be cool. It doesn't happen. But to me, the bigger issue is, is that in this movie, we're told all these characters have connections to humans. We're told Cersei has a lot of connections to humans. We really don't see it. She's She's been dating Dane Whitman for a bit, but whatever, right? Like, who, who really cares? Like, that's what all I got to say. It's like, who really cares there? Fastos, admittedly, does have a bigger human connection because he has married and has a kid. Mm-hmm. But Kingo has, for what is the majority of the movie, the human surrogate character in this movie with his valet, Karen. Yeah. And the fact that he, the valet, just goes, oh, yeah, Kingo's right. It was, uh, it was great serving with the Eternals. And then he walks out of the movie. <laughs> totally okay that Kingo's like ready to doom us all it's so weird to me like to compare the movie we watched last week this is where we need to have a scene cut into the third act where Kingo's like on the plane home and Karan walks up to him and just goes you know like we need to seem like the butler scene in Spider-Man 3 that's what I'm saying I see yeah, like the butler yeah. scene in Spider-Man yeah, 3 agreed. where he goes yeah. hey why don't you go help your guys out like I know you don't want to fight Icarus but we're friends right you don't want me dying right and he's like, yeah, you're right. Like, now that's this is what I kind of mean though, where I'm like, I feel like it's a part one in a way. Cause yeah. if we got what I, the sequel, I think this sets up, which I'll get into when we talk about the post credit scene, I think this could be a good arc point for Kumal in the next movie, uh, where it's like, why didn't you help? I think it's interesting. What I think though is so weird is that like we have the coda and it's not acknowledged, it's not really acknowledged by Cersei or Sprite. Or any of them. Because the fact is, is like, Icarus still, like, killed Ajak and Gilgamesh. And it, it's it's weird to me. It's a little weird that all Kumal just kind of nopes out of the third act. 
My theory is, my theory is, is that initially he was probably in that third act fighting with Icarus. But then Test Screenings came in, and I think everyone pretty much unanimously agrees Kumal is the best comic relief in this movie. So like, well, if this becomes a franchise, we want him back. Yeah. So they, I think that's what my gut feeling was. Gotcha. I like what Kamal's character says, where he brings in this ideology. Where okay, so he it's it's basically it's presenting this philosophical argument for you know everyone that like the Eternals are all going through it, but then also it's presenting it to the audience as do you blindly follow along for what's deemed by others to be the greater good or do you decide for you know what that greater good is based on your your morals and you rather follow that and i i like the that the eternals all were going in different directions with it you know down the different paths that you can go down with that argument and kamal's got a very unique or you know stance which is Yes, I believe that the, you know, the overall good, it, which is determined by the Celestials who say they've always had the overall good, you know, determined. I do believe that they're the ones, you know, who who are right. However, I'm not going to resort to violence. Uh, I'm not going to put my beliefs on you. I'm not going to push them on you. And I'm also not going to resort to violence to do that. And I, I respect that. Um, and I'm I'm glad that they included that. The I what I agree with with you is that like to have Kamal's character walk out, and I think the we need we need an airplane scene with uh Kareem talking to Kamal and saying, like, hey. My you apologies, know, I mispronounced his name earlier, by the way. Yeah. I, I, I saw the movie last week. It's been yeah. a bit. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, it's, I, I do think that we, need it, we needed that moment because that moment is, that's, that's what shows you what being human is, you know, is that we have this, yeah, it's, this yeah, brain it's, where we can decide, you know, we can decide a ton of, a ton of things. We don't have to conform to the mold. And Which is why it's weird because he is the main human character in the movie, and we don't get that for him. Yeah, I wonder if that will be a deleted scene. I hope it is. Yeah, it's just it's weird because also he's in the coda, isn't he? Like he's with Sprite and Kumal and uh, Cersei. I think it's funny that yeah, his name's Kingo, but I'm just gonna call him Kumal because I watched we watched a whole movie like two weeks ago where he's right with Kumal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he's in that scene too. So Maybe he like, was the same character. No. Maybe the big sick is a film in in uh, let's uh, the not, MCU. Let's not Anyways, the let's not jump down that rabbit hole. Anyways, <laughs> now let's talk about the score very quickly because we are over time. Yeah, I thought it was solid, good score. Yeah, yeah. I don't it, think the theme was hummable, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it's definitely not an Avengers theme. But uh, Ramin Jawadi, uh, he's he does really good with moments, and I that's what I noticed is there were times where like I really bought into what was happening on the screen, and a lot of that had to do with the musical score. Um, there were a couple of moments where I thought that it was going to delve into the reigns of Castamere. So for all of you Game of Thrones fans out there, then like you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, but 
uh, yeah, I was anticipating that. Like as soon as I heard there was a chord progression in a couple a couple different moments where I was like, oh, we're going into that, and I got excited. Uh, and then we didn't go into that. And of course, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. What am I watching? If I if I thought the movie was pretty, it wasn't because of the music. It was because of the the sun. Very pretty shots. Yeah, Good yeah. Shots. Pretty pretty movie. All right. So what'd you think post- about those post credit scenes? All right. So for the first post credit scene. So the first one uh, was the one I got spoiled on, which is we go to the ship with the Eternals and. I'm going to quickly say something that we're not going to discuss, but Angelina Jolie is on the ship, which I think her role in this movie is very weird because uh, she's the biggest star in the movie. And you wouldn't know that from the role she plays. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, my hot take on the movie, and we, we, we can get into this later off, Mike, if you want, I think she and Salma Hayek should have switched roles. Mm. I think that would have made more sense to me. Gotcha. Because yeah. I would have liked Salma Hayek to stick around more than, honestly, Angelina Jolie, personally. That's just me. Uh, also, the thing is, with Angelina Jolie being there, I think she'll be a main character next time. And I don't really want her. Because on the ship is the two best Eternals, Dreg and Makari, who I'll talk yep. more about later, um, and Tina, who's okay, uh, <laughs> who's the Angelina Jolie's character. And they're heading off into space to look for every Eternals. And uh, then, out of nowhere, beams onto their ship uh, is a troll named Pip who introduced the brother of Thanos, Eros, who's played by Watermelon Sugar High! Watermelon Sugar High! What? They should just play that when he walked in. Uh, Harry Styles. Famous yeah. for Dunkirk. And actually, yeah. he got the role because of Dunkirk. I, uh, I, I will be honest, like, he walked on and then uh Felicia was like, Oh my gosh. And I like I was like, I that have no idea. I was like, like, I have no idea who this guy is. I don't know why everyone's going crazy about it. Okay. And then after that scene finished and we waited for the second post credit, I was like, Who is that? And she goes, That is Harry freaking Styles. And <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. That makes that makes sense. Well, okay. Here's the thing about this post credit scene to me, which is, um, and it kind of goes with my thing with Eternals 2, is that I think Eternals 2 is set up to be a much more interesting film than this one is. Because to me, one of the main themes of this movie is um, Abishim, they're like talking about rebelling against their creator. This is very much a movie where they're talking about like, uh, and I don't mean this literally, but it's just like a term in like talking about these types of stories is that there is always a type of story where people try to go kill God. Like, that is, like, an entire subgenre of, like, deep sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And to me, the sequel that this is setting up, which I think the ending of this movie is so abrupt, is Abishin comes and takes the Eternals on Earth. So the three that are off in space are their only hope to be, like, rescued. And to me, the sequel sets up that it's going to be the three remaining Eternals team up with Harry Styles to go hunt down their god and kill him. And that to me is such a good premise because the Eternals are all so serious except yeah. for Kingo and Fastos who are on Earth. And then we have this Harry Styles character who is clearly being built up to be like a, like a version of Star-Lord that is actually suave. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a brilliant idea to pair him with these guys. And you can't trust him because he's Thanos' brother, right? Right. So like, 
I think that is a phenomenal setup for a sequel. Uh, especially because also, as I said, I think the two best characters in this movie are Dreg and Makari. And I think they would be the main characters of the next one. Also because, like, I think everyone unanimously agrees that, like, the best air quotes love story in this movie is how they flirt with each other. Yeah. Compared to anyone else. And, like, they're, they're the only ones here who have chemistry. Really. Yeah. I, b- I bought them. I bought them more than I bought Cersei and Icarus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you build the sequel off of them. Yeah. And um, Harry Styles being there, in my opinion. The main thing that I took from this post credit scene is that the fact that they can go around that each world has its own set of Eternals on it or not each world, but each world with an extravagant amount of life on it has an eternal on it. Um, That really sets up these nice one and done um, movie appearances for actors who don't necessarily want to get stuck in a, you know, in a two, in a like a five movie deal, um, yeah. And you know, so uh, I I think that it opens opens up the road for that, um, and I think that now that we've been introduced to this idea of the Eternals revolting against Celestials, I think we could poss- we will see more cases of that happening down the road, or uh, Eternals kind of still following what the celestials do but also meddling around with with things on on their planet you know i also yeah yeah i I agree i also like uh how and by opinion uh chloe here very subtly retcons thanos's motivation yeah yeah which i'm okay with because i'm really tired of hearing people going you know thanos was right we do have a population problem because as we've said before on this podcast we could always just Josh Thanos it and just double the resources. Yeah. And in this Chloe uh, Zhao records would be like, no, he wants to be have the population because his brother is an eternal and he's an eternal. And, or at least I assume he's an eternal. Yeah. The, the thing is, uh, is that Thanos um, is an eternal with a deviant gene. So he's not a deviant, but, he, yes, but yeah. we don't technically like. I'm gonna be honest. But it's we've we not, don't yeah we have, we've not been, been given that movie. exactly yes. yeah. But we can assume it because Harry Styles is Harry Styles and yeah. they're supposed to be brothers. I like that little retcon where it's like, no, he just wants to stop overpopulation because he doesn't like the celestials. He wants to stop overpopulation um, because he, his plan was to remember when Thanos snapped, he took out half of life across the universe. So that's yeah. not just Earth. It's, you know, all planets with life. Um, he took out half of that life, which would hurt the birth of celestials across the entire universe. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe, like, that does paint, I think it, it does retcon Thanos as more of a hero in his own mind, more so than the than what he had been before. And I, th- I think it, if that is was his motivation, it does it makes his character a little more a little stronger. I think it makes him. I don't know. It's kind of a to me. It's kind of like a mixed bag because I feel like yeah, the genocidal maniac that believes he has a good point is a little bit better than like this very rooted in fantasy idea. 
But the mm. difference is here is that now when people say Thanos is right, that we can just be like, I mean, you're not actually advocating for overpopulate like like population control in real life. You're just saying that like, yeah, Thanos was right. Those those pesty celestials that don't actually exist, you know, like yeah. that, that's yeah. the key difference here. We gotta talk about the ever post credit scene. Yeah. So Dane Whitman um gets a sword. From... Wait, 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 wait! Can we please talk about how ridiculous it is to lead into this post-credit scene? In a sense, because it's like at the end of the movie, he reunites with Cersei, and he goes like, "Hey, a lot of weird stuff's been happening." And so she's like, "Oh, yeah. you can tell me about it later." <laughs> yeah, it, it almost it it does seem like this this scene should have happened before that reunion between you know. <laughs> to me, it's kind of like Kid Arrington saying. Hey, make sure you stay after the credits so you find out why I was in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I assume that, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, his uncle is the one who had the blade um, and who had the sword. And uh, it's not revealed that it is the ebony blade. It could be. Um, it probably is. It probably is. We do get a cameo um although just voice but uh by Mahershala Ali's blade yeah. i want to say one, a couple things here one i saw this post credit scene twice because when i saw spencer the king richard trailer came on i was like all right perfect time for me to use the bathroom and i went to the bathroom and i heard the eternals like credits ending i was like ooh so i walked in i watched it again and i was like yep that's definitely mahershala ali cuz initially when i heard it i didn't think it was mahershala ali mm-hmm. uh, i thought it could be nick fury some of my audience speculated Jeffrey Wright. I was like, ooh, I could be that too. And then, of course, Chloe gave interviews like, oh, yeah, it's Blade. <laughs> it's Marshall Ali. Now, here's the thing. I think I think it is a cool post-credit scene. I, would yeah. not, I wasn't expecting Blade to be introduced in Eternals. But it, it's a good one that could, be, could have been the best one. Mm-hmm. If it was actually Blade. Like, you know, like if it wasn't just a voice. Yeah. We panned over, we saw... Mahasha Ali in full costume. People would be going to see this movie just for the post credits. Yeah, yeah, they would. So it's just kind of like, I don't know why it's fake. I don't know why you're making the general audience look up when they go home. Like, what was that voice? Oh, it's Blade? They're doing yeah. Blade? And that, and that was one thing about, before we got rid of the most disappointing aspect category, that was the most disappointing aspect, um, is I had to, I had to look at, you know, look stuff up myself, but then also like, I uh, Felicia said that it was disappointing for her because she had to ask me what was going on in that scene, you know, um, because yeah, like I don't know why we couldn't just have like yeah, I get that his costume might not be finalized, mm-hmm. but I don't get why we can't just pan over to Mahasha Ali like wearing like blades glasses, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you don't need to have the full costume ready. You can just be like in a normal outfit but wearing like blades like iconic glasses. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's the same thing. It's like we this could have been this the same type of scene as what the Iron Man one post credit scene was. Do you remember that one? Yeah, which is fantastic, and it's saying that like this. There's so much more to this, you know. And the important thing about Blade is, I feel like people keep over people look over a little bit. Is Blade is one of the few characters left in Marvel that they have to introduce that's like a character that has a cultural impact already. Mm-hmm. It will be like, it's him. Fantastic four and X-Men. Those are the three big ones. Yeah. Left. Yeah. 
So if this movie had a full costume reveal of Blade in it, well, I would almost I would almost put Blade into Marvel Knights, which which that would include like your Ghost Rider and. Well, I Punisher. think Blade is a bigger deal. I think Blade is a bigger deal okay. in the mainstream than either of those. Because okay. Blade had a series of movies that are still talked about today among yeah. fans of like yeah. those types of movies. Whereas Ghost Rider's movies kind of sucked. I mean, and, they did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and what was who's the other one you said? I sorry, I already forgot. Punisher. And the thing with Punisher is like it's John Burnfall, so like people don't really want like a new Punisher back. We already had a good Punisher movie that just yeah. came back, right? Right. Whereas Maharshali is Blade. Blade hasn't been on the big screen since Blade Three. Right. That would, that would be a huge deal of pan over. It's like we're bringing in Blade. What? And I don't think the general audience knows necessarily that Blade is coming. So that would be a huge deal for people. Yeah. But yeah, yeah definitely. Um, we'll talk more about this post credit scene a little later. So let's move on to our predictions. Yeah, I think it would be awesome if the introduction of mutants into the MCU was via a celestial. I posit that Apocalypse, although a mutant in the comics, could be a celestial in the MCU, and he or she could be creator of the mutants. Maybe there's a world where deviants evolved to be too strong for the Eternals of that world, and Apocalypse instead gave the humans of that world powers rather than create new Eternals for the evolved deviant issue. Um, eventually, a small number of mutants from Apocalypse's world are sent to Earth in secrecy by Apocalypse, maybe circa like 1930s, um, so the celestial birth on the mutant homeworld can happen. The mutant refugees on Earth mingle with humans of Earth, and their children are born with the mutant gene, which is dormant until it's activated by the celestial power of Apocalypse, or rather by the cosmic power surge of the blip. Could also just be from the uh, birth of the new celestial. Tiamat. Too. Yeah. Tiamat, yes. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting theory. Uh, I, 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 at this point, Tyler, some of your theories are just going like, oh, that's interesting. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mephisto, maybe. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, my prediction is, I want to predict a ton, but the fact is, this film is not being the huge success both Feige and Zhao want, want it to be, both critically and commercially. It doing under Shang-Chi is not, and by under, I mean just for opening weekend, is not particularly promising because it costs way more than Shang-Chi. Um, so instead of predicting the sequel I want or how the Eternals will play into the big p- picture, I predict that if they do not go forward with a sequel, an outright sequel, I think Lauren Ridloff and Barry Keoghan will get a Disney Plus show because I think most people, I think they are being walked away with most people being like, they were really good in this. I want to see more of them. And then being separate from the Eternals right now means that you can give them a spinoff show. Say, like, and you can return to this like storyline later, right? Yeah. You can be like, oh, Thena's off with Eros doing something and have give those two their own little story, own little miniseries. Because um, these actors are not necessarily like huge in their career right now like they're both on the way up and i think it'd be a good way to keep these eternals characters going until we can get an outright sequel in some way i also would say i didn't write this down but um and i'll get into this more when we do our next news episode because a certain news of halloween specials got me on this i do think for some reason i never made the connection black knight blade we're getting midnight suns it's gonna happen we're introducing blade with another superhero being introduced think about it that way 
or in my 13th. There's a possibility. Is it a possible 13? Um, not that. But Let's, we'll go into it whenever we talk about the Halloween yeah. special that was announced. Um, so, why is awards? MVP. Yeah. Now, I was tempted to do what Tyler has listed. Obviously, Tyler will talk about. But ultimately, I got to go with Harish Patel, who plays Karun, whose name I'm sure I mispronounced several times because, again, I saw this movie last week. I apologize to the fictional character. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, um, I think, no pun intended, he added a lot of humanity in the movie. He also is, like, probably the most consistent comic relief in the movie. And he makes a great team of Kumail. I want to see more of him, honestly. Mm, yeah. Uh, I don't know how you bring him back in. Maybe my ongoing, like, running joke I feel like I make is just have him meet up with uh, Luis from Ant-Man. <laughs> we need we need avengers of the civilians come on yeah and he can be on there well i would say that like what about all the footage i don't know if any of the footage survived because quite a few cameras were destroyed (laughs) so (laughs) poor guy yeah i was like i don't know if he does have any footage but uh but yeah um I am weary, wary to say any one actor outshines another in this film, and I lend that true ensemble to Chloe Zhao. Her direction and style ultimately leads to a superhero team film that not only sets itself apart from its MCU brethren, but also creates a cohesiveness between characters that is felt within the first 30 minutes of the film. Zhao is the reason we have the Eternals in the MCU, in the introduction of even greater galactic interaction than a talking raccoon in tree flying around in a spaceship with their side characters. Yeah, that's right. In Tyler's world, Captain Marvel never happened. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. Uh, I do want to, before we move on to our next award, I want to say, one, add one more thing to my prediction, if mm-hmm. I can, which is that, you know, I said we can send Lauren Ridloff and Barry Keoghan on a side mission. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing, in my opinion, is that, if Marvel really wanted to, I don't think they would, they could wait 15 or 20 years to be living as an Eternals too, because these characters, well, I mean, they're not supposed to age, so maybe that, that won't work, but they have that de-aging tech. But the fact is, is that like we don't need to pick up with these characters immediately. Like A ton of time can pass in the MCU before we get back to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. Um, but anyway. Anyway, what was my favorite scene? Well, I asked myself first. because Yeah, first. What, is, what is your favorite scene? <laughs> I have the scene listed of Druig leaving the Eternals. It's the flashback scene where they all break up in the past. I mm-hmm. really liked it because I felt like they all had a good moment in time. That's at I the uh, that, Aztec, the Aztec city, yeah, right? Yeah. I think Fina, I think this is Angelina Jolie's best scene in the movie. But again, I am still confused by why she's here. Uh, and I think the um, idea of them getting too old despite being Eternals is kind of cool. And I like how Druig leaves. I think drug in- exists in this interesting moral uh, ambiguity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I-, I just thought it was a good scene. It's- yeah, agreed. Uh, my favorite scene is Kamal Nanjiani, Bollywood actor, director on set. Um, yeah, it was just a ton of it was a ton of fun. Um, and. Yeah, it <laughs> introduced us to uh, to your MVP of of this movie so 
Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you did. Karun, yeah. So yeah, yeah I yeah. like it was it was just a lot I, of fun. I like that I just kept calling him Karen. Like <laughs> it's Karen. Such a Karen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um and it also like when he when he's you know, he sees the other Eternals and he's like, It's my friends from college and just the sense of something this film did really well that I think this scene puts on display is like, you know, these people have, they're a family They're They've, they've been through a lot together, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's a good. Yeah. Uh, what is the worst scene to you? Now here's the thing. I put, this is more of a worst moment. Okay. Uh, Cause I think, I think this movie has a lot of uh, unintentional humor at one point. One thing we never talked about, which is a big talking point of this movie, is the, uh, the you know, Fastos hasn't been doing stuff for humans for a while. Smash cut to Hiroshima. Uh, that's getting a lot of criticism by some people. I personally like it because it reminds me of the audacity of the one scene of Apocalypse I like, which is X-Men Apocalypse that I like, which is when... Uh, Magneto tears apart Auschwitz with his hands. I think superhero movies need to take more bold swings like that. Yeah. But what I, I after that scene, we cut to him in the present day where we get this thing where it says Chicago, present day. And it looks nothing like Chicago. I live in Chicago. I've never seen anywhere that looks like that. That is my whole complaint here. I'm tired of Chicago popping up in movies and people not caring. That's the entire, <laughs> my entire thing here. Don't tell me, don't set your movie in Chicago. Don't be like, oh, Fastos, he's from Chicago. No, no. If you're going to set it in Chicago, have it look like Chicago. You're going to shoot it in Atlanta, have it look like Atlanta. Just call it Atlanta. They don't have any superheroes either, even though you film there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's my uh, that's my i'm just tired of it i saw the new Candyman movie it yeah. doesn't look like it's ever in chicago don't set movies in we have a very distinct looking city yeah the, our, the the modern movie that is the most chicago looking movie besides widows which is a great movie highly recommend but batman. besides widows yeah no i was gonna say it shouldn't be batman don't have right? gotham city be the main chicago in the movie yeah <laughs> i'm tired of it <laughs> I for me it was the CGI in the Harry Styles scene. Was this scene shot in the early two thousands? Because it looks like it. Uh, yeah, it's really just Patton Oswalt's character. It's really yeah. That's re- that's really all it is. Because um, he showed up, and I was just kind of like, "Is this even part of the movie? Uh, are you showing us a preview of a different film?" I'm really confused by his casting. There are plenty of um. There are plenty of little people in Hollywood that work are working. I know Dinklage has already done a role. Yeah, I'm. I'm not surprised by by his casting because he is the voice of Modok on the Hulu Marvel's Modok animated show. I'm saying though, so you can I'm, just. Get, I'm not can, surprised. There are plenty of but, good little people actors out there, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, there besides are. Besides Peter Dinklage, I can't think of any right now, but I've seen them on other shows that I watch. Oh, I see what uh, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know why this character has to be CGI. Yeah, that's my point. Best, best surprise. Uh, ours kind of a related to mine is that Barry Keoghan was not a villain the entire time we were talking about Eternals. I'm like, oh, whenever in the trailer he popped up, like I am assuming Barry Keoghan's the villain because he always plays the villain in these indie movies. Like in the Green Knight, he played like a villainous yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, and he has just that look always. Now, he does play a character with, like, edgy powers. 
Yeah. But he's not a villain. Like, he stays a hero through the end. I do want to shout out, though, the one awkward audience reaction to me, which was uh, when he punches Sprite in the third act, people in my audience cheered. I'm like, eh, this is still, like, a grown man punching a, a with a rock girl in the face with a rock. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cheer this. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> but like he stayed. He stayed here all the way through. And as I said, I want him and Lauren Ridloff to get a spinoff. They are. They are to me because I know I said Harish Patel is the best part of the movie. But I think if I had to pick the Eternals, it's easily Barry Keoghan and Lauren Ridloff. Mm. Easily. I didn't talk about Lauren Redleff much. I'm just going to say it here. Best depiction of super speed. I've seen none of those movies yet. Finally, one that doesn't get slow motion to like show their action. So cool. Anyway, Barry Keoghan, not a villain. So happy. Keep him around, Marvel. And give give him a spinoff. Give him and Lauren Redleff spinoffs. Give, give them a 14-season show on Disney+. Plus. I'll watch it all. Okay. <laughs> um... They're eternal. <laughs> uh the best the best surprise for me is uh Icarus's deception. I didn't didn't pick up on it um at all. Yeah, the advertise the trailers for this for this film they were really really good. I don't think the tra- the trailers really leaked any of the big twists or yeah. What Danny? Uh I, I know we said we weren't going to argue with this, but I do want to remind you when I texted you and we didn't, when you got out of the movie, which is, you know, I kind of figured something was up with Icarus because all the, that trailer that was in front of every single movie opens with Icarus going like, how long do we have? And Salma Hayek's like, seven days. And I'm like, that didn't happen in the movie. You know? See, like, I, and I was so awestruck by Zhao's shots that I wasn't trying to figure out where where That's and fair. plus Very plus fair. the movie jumps around in time so much you know like i thought yeah. well maybe maybe you know it'll it'll go back yeah uh what about most excited to see more of it kind of says already uh i think the setup of a straightforward eternal sequels is phenomenally good as i said before the eternals with harry styles try to kill god phenomenal premise to me like like instant like yeah i'll go see like because to me, like as I said before, I think the themes of this movie are really interesting, and I think the best executed theme of the many ones they have are people trying to come to terms with like the fact that they know they were created by someone and they were created flawed. Like in particular, I'm thinking uh, Sprite. As I said, I don't think that character fully works the way it's written. Yeah, but I do think that aspect really does, and thus having the sequel be like them going to kill the person who created them. I think that's a great premise. I really want to see it. Um, and also, as I said, the post credit scene does set up to me, in my opinion, Drag and Makari to be the leads, and they're the best parts of this movie. For me, it was, uh, I'm excited to see what the ramifications of the Eternals Celestials conflict will have for the MCU. Um, I think that it can open up a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch more. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, just interested in seeing where, where they go, where they go now. Um, also I am interested in figuring out why do all the celestials look the way they do in this film, but then in guardians of the galaxy two, 
that celestial looks like Kurt Russell. Why is that the one celestial? Oh, you know, I think we should. I think uh, Guardians Two might have an explanation. Then I'd have to revisit though. Because I, I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if he, I know he has to like he says something about like to keep this form, I have to stay on this planet. So it maybe it's like some type of illusion. I don't know. Or it could it could be he has an eternal the body of an eternal that he's using to you know I don't know but uh, I mean the celestials have who knows their their vast amount of power that they have but I'm I'm wondering if he wasn't something entirely different in just posing as a celestial um, but but yeah that's that's just little food for thought all right that's. That's the episode. Congrats. We did a short one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Chloe. (laughs) Sorry. Maybe next time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter as WiveTine1 because I'm number one. You can follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU, and including a longer review of Eternals. Um, we'd also like to thank Joe Schremer for editing this episode. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. All right. Join us next week when we talk about a amazing movie that is not so amazing, in my opinion. Ba-ba-ba. So, Catch you in the next one.